Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Welcome to Down With D&D. I'm Sean Merwin, and today our guest host is Ashley Warren, Guild Adept, RPG designer, producer of the popular Uncaged Anthologies, and the force behind the RPG Writers Workshop. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. And I just want to say that I'm really pleased with how you pronounce Guild Adept, because that's how I pronounce it, but I don't think the rest of our crew pronounces it that how way. Do they, how do they pronounce it? I think it's Guild Adept. Uh, and that's tripped me up a few times, so I'm I'm glad that we're on the same team. Yeah, we're, we're we're team what team close to Canada? I don't know team. <laughs> I, I guess team team North. I, I don't know what we are, but hey, uh, whatever whatever gets us through the day. So I will now. I'm going to pronounce it wrong every time I pronounce <laughs> it, but uh, we get through that. So I wanted to to talk to you because I've talked about your work on the show before. Um, but I've never had you on. So I wanted to, uh, to bring you on to talk about everything you've done in the industry, plus uh, talk about writing adventures because you do run the RPG Writers Workshop, which is exactly about writing adventures. So I wanted to hit you up for your knowledge there. But for any one of our listeners who hasn't been listening for a long time, could you talk about uh, yourself and the work that you do in the D&D world? Sure. So I started by writing adventures for Dungeon Masters Guild. I just thought the idea of writing and producing my own adventures sounded really fun. And I was very fortunate that there was a platform for me to publish that content. And then I haven't really stopped since then. (laughs) That was in late 2017. And I've just been like so fully immersed in D&D since then. And I have also worked with several publishing companies on different types of projects, both full books and also just uh, one-shot adventures. And I am a Guild Adept, as you mentioned, which has been a great opportunity to work alongside fellow D&D geeks and produce some really exciting content for the official D&D releases, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, I've produced um, the Uncaged Anthology series, which has taken up about a year and a half of my life. <laughs> and that's a global collaboration with a bunch of writers and artists from around the world who came together to write adventures about uh, mythology and folklore and reinventing those tropes of creatures that we encounter in mythology. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's most of what I do. Also the RPG Writer Workshop, which started in 2018, which was a way to help other writers uh, kind of get their foot in the door with writing RPG content mm-hmm. and just a, an easy and approachable way to just learn the basics of what that entails and, and all the many places where you can publish content like that. So yeah, I guess I guess that's a brief summary. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like a one minute summary of about two and a half years or more worth of hard work and toil and, and everything. And there's a lot I want to follow up on with that. But I always like to ask my co-host this question to start. Uh, what's your history with D&D? Uh, when, like, when did you start playing? And more importantly, why do you keep playing? What keeps bringing you back to it? Sure. So oof, I think I started playing in 2015, I mm-hmm. believe. It was 
pretty soon after fifth edition was released. And I actually don't have this like long history with D&D other than being very interested in it from a young age, but I just never had any exposure to D&D or knew anyone who played it. And before all of these new like actual play shows and, you know, this kind of like, I guess, revival of D&D, it was really hard to kind of for me to envision like what a D&D session actually was, how to actually facilitate a, sex- um, a session. I feel like in retrospect, had I understood that a little bit better, I think I probably would have just jumped in as a dungeon master at a young age and just like recruited my friends to play with me. Right. But I just didn't really, no one I knew was really that interested in it. I've always been a geek and I've always been very interested in fantasy and sci-fi and haven't always had a community around me that was also interested in that. So a lot of these kind of developments in my life are fairly recent. So I just happened to have friends who shared a lot of my interest. And uh, my good friend, John has been a DM like his entire life. And it was like, well, if you want to play D&D, why don't I just like run a session for you and our friends? And I was like, yes, please. (laughs) And from there, we just, our whole group, um, I think everyone else at the table uh, was also new to D&D. We just became like so obsessed with it. It like immediately took over our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And um, we still play together now, which is great. But it's it's kind of amazing like how different my life is now that I've been playing D&D versus what it was before. Like my interests are the same, but it's really brought to life a lot of these uh, longstanding passions for uh, writing and storytelling and and communal storytelling and like being really immersed in fantasy worlds. So that's what brings me back to D&D both as a as a player and now I'm a dungeon master. So I just really find the idea of exploring fantasy worlds and being challenged in that way to be just a really fun activity and a great way to bond with other people. Yeah, it's funny how D&D and fantasy the relationship between those two because you know, D&D sprang obviously from fantasy, right? From Tolkien and, and from all that, that genre. And then fantasy changed because of D&D, right? The, the fiction that came from D&D, all of the Driss novels, all of the Dragonlance novels, all of that was then informed by D&D, which then got its own audience who read those books, but maybe never played D&D. And, and then, and then um, video game, right? They became changed by D&D. And so there's almost a cyclical pattern of fandom, you know, coming into D&D through either the the remnants of D&D in other areas whether it be fiction uh or coming to the game directly uh and then learning about the fantasy through the game. So it's I'm always interested in hearing people's quote-unquote origin stories with D&D. And and you're right when when you do find D&D when you've come from a fantasy background, it does take over your life, right? You you can express your interests in so many ways through D&D, whether it's writing or just playing or crafts or mapping or art or all of these things, uh, costuming, all of that uh, can, can, that all of that passion can pour out through D&D as a funnel. Yeah, absolutely. And 
Um, there's another thing I'm involved in that I didn't actually mention in my first summary was that I am part of a show on the official D&D Twitch channel called Tales from the Mists. And that show has been a fun opportunity for me to create a character that's like partly inspired by my actual familial heritage. And so like, that's been like another aspect of D&D that I've really enjoyed is like tapping into uh, like the folklore and the mythology and the literature of my own kind of family heritage and upbringing and bringing that into D&D. And that's kind of why I was drawn to D&D in the first place is that I I love like classic literature and I, I love like traditional folklore and the tropes in D&D um, I think are a really fun way to actually explore that in a really active way versus just like a passive, you know, reading a fairy tale versus actually playing in a fairy tale. So I think that um, that's, there's just so many opportunities to explore those themes in, in so many different ways. Yeah. And that segues perfectly into my next question, which is about uncaged, <laughs> which came directly from that, that looking at folklore through a new lens and then um, crafting that new image in a D and D way. Uh, so that, I mean, uncaged was a, an incredibly ambitious and groundbreaking undertaking. Um, when did you get that idea and how did it all come together? And, and has it stopped coming together yet? <laughs> oh, yeah, so Uncaged has definitely been one of the most ambitious projects I've ever attempted in my life. And I feel like, I feel like I'm a pretty ambitious person. So that is saying something. But as you mentioned, Uncaged was born out of my passion for mythology. I do really love bringing in my, I guess, somewhat formal education and studying myth and folklore and, and literature into D&D. And finding where those converge and also where they're different. So I love to read the monster manual. I'm really always inspired by all the creatures that are found in the monster manual. That's usually my first place to start when I'm writing adventure content is what creatures do I want to feature in this adventure and, and why, and like what, how does that inform the setting and things like that. And so I was actually browsing the monster manual for a, another project. And I, kept going back to the Medusa page and I'm like, it's, it's really cool that there's like Medusa in D and D, but that creature and that story is different than it is in the actual Greek myth. There's sure. some relationship there, but it's not, obviously it's not like a real world analog. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I kept kind of going through the monster manual, looking for other creatures. And I was reading about the hags and the harpies. And as a female writer, I'm always kind of looking at, this kind of work through a somewhat feminist lens. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like the opportunity to write about these female creatures stories is like the perfect use of D and D because players can actually interact with these creatures in a different way. It's not like reading Medusa's classic myth and her origin story, which is very much rooted in kind of trauma. It's mm -hmm. like a dark story. Yeah. Um, whereas in D and D we can interface with these creatures in all sorts of different ways and create new origin stories and kind of subvert the traditional tropes that are linked to them. So that's really what Uncaged was, that, that's kind of the, the inspiration for Uncaged is wanting to feature these awesome monsters in a different way. And originally I had planned to just write out maybe like a trilogy of adventures that each featured, like I think it was Medusa, Hag and Harpy. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, there's so many more though that we can feature and why not make this like a collaboration and especially if these are linked to folklore, there's, you know, this global mm -hmm. archive of folklore from around the world. So why not just invite people to write about the creatures that they really connect with? 
So I put out just kind of a call on Twitter, just very basic, just more kind of measuring interest. And I was completely overwhelmed by the <laughs> response. So the project was not intended to be as big as it became. That happened very quickly. And I just was kind of like running to keep up with it. But it just seemed like the fact that there were so many people who like, responded to this idea the way that I had just seemed like it was like too good to not pursue. And I mean, I guess in retrospect, like I would have maybe made the project a little bit more of a realistic scope, but oh, well, it's too, no reason to worry about that now. Well, when a project takes a life of its own like that, you know that there is a, the need for it and b the audience for it. Because for every one person who wants to write on that project, there's a hundred other people out there who need to and want to hear those stories. So, so four volumes later, uh, you you are now the producer of four incredibly well received uh, anthologies. So, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Yeah, How it m- almost like it it was too good to not pursue, and I feel like even though I. As a project manager, there's a lot of ways to run a collaborative project of that scale. And there's probably things that I should have done different, but I I do feel like the response from the community like demonstrated that this was something that was worth doing at the scope that it was. So in that sense, I guess no regrets. (laughs) No, I mean, the, you know, the, the amount of, not just the amount of content, but the quality of the content was, was astounding. It really was. Um, It's still some of my best, the thing I love to go to to read just to just to clear my mind of other things and and to see what great stories can be told by just focusing on something as simple as you know taking a trope turning it on its ear and and seeing where it leads so that's great stuff so the uh the tales from the mist I completely forgot to mention that what what has that been like to to not just write a story, but to act out a story in front of an audience. Sure. So it, I, I will say that I don't have a huge interest in streaming myself. I enjoy watching other actual play shows, but it's not necessarily something that I am super interested in doing. I think I prefer being like a writer or producer, not necessarily mm-hmm. being on camera. But with Tales from the Mist, it, it was another good opportunity that was just too good to pass up given the people that were involved and I love Ravenloft. I love Gothic horror and I really enjoy how our show, again, kind of going back to this idea of reinventing tropes, we take classic Ravenloft modules and update them for fifth edition. And as part of that process, that means updating some of the more problematic things Mm -hmm. that you can find in traditional Ravenloft content. Um, For the most part, we, we keep what is special about it and we keep that, dark atmosphere and that vibe, but we, we change things to make them a bit more approachable for the modern audience. And it's exciting to play out a game for an audience. It's definitely different than playing in a home game. I, I have a background in theater. I lettered in theater in high school, mm-hmm. like a true nerd. Mm-hmm. And, but even then, like I wasn't necessarily someone who aspired to be like an actor or some sort of like on-screen personality. I just enjoy the idea of storytelling for an audience and D&D is such a fun way to do that because we don't know what's going to happen. It's not scripted, even though our DM, you know, plans out the narrative beats. Every episode is completely unpredictable and it's fun to go on that ride with the audience and it's fun to see 
which characters the audience really responds to, mm -hmm. especially NPCs like our DM, TK Johnson, <laughs> right. is amazing at creating NPCs that are both either really likable or really unlikable. And <laughs> it's, it's so fun to just see the response of the audience in our chat, like during the show to these different characters. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been a special experience to like unroll this story for the public mm -hmm. and be able to play around in this very classic beloved setting. Yeah. I'm going to ask a tough question now. Has, has it, has it changed the way that you look at the, the hobby or the game as a writer? A little bit. It's funny because someone, I was just asked that question earlier this week. So it has been on my mind a little bit. It does change. Well, it's both playing in a game on stream and also having my work be played by others on their streams mm -hmm. definitely has affected how I approach adventure writing a bit in the sense that it's almost like, it's almost like live play testing, even mm -hmm. though, even when it's like published work and that has been play tested, it's always interesting to see how, a dungeon master is interpreting your published content and sometimes seeing like where, where there still are some holes or areas that could be improved, but also just how little you can plan for what a group is going to do. Like that's of course the challenge of adventure writers is that you can only write so much and at, at some point it just becomes whatever the table is going to do with it. Mm -hmm. So I definitely try to, keep that in mind when I'm writing adventure content that I want to make work that is very uh, approachable to a dungeon master, depending on if they're writing, you know, or they're running it for an audience or just for their home game. It's the, they still need the same thing. They still need content to be very um, approachable and easy to run and have the most important information be there for them wherever they need it. So I think in that sense, I think the, the first time I ever watched someone play one of my modules on video it was <laughs> I like almost couldn't watch it was like it wasn't anything that they were doing it was just right. like it was just so hard to like hear my work in someone else's voice like that right yeah you just there's this if if you're hearing someone write something that you've written like reading a story or reading a poem or reading drama you, you kind of know what's happening but when you see someone running it and it, it is. It's it's nerve wracking because uh, you just don't know what's going to happen, and you're you're in as much anticipation as someone who has no idea what's coming. Absolutely. Uh, so it, it is. It is strange, and that sort of gets us into our topic for today, which is getting started in adventure writing. Um, so most of our listeners, or many of our listeners, are DMs. And the question I get the most from people is, "I've been a DM for a long time, but I want to write adventures." how do I get started writing D&D &D content? And there are so many answers to that question, but it's something that you deal with on a regular basis. So I wanted to get your expert opinion. Uh, could you share a little bit of your advice on getting started in adventure writing? Sure. So in the RPG Writer Workshop, we do have a lot of community members who are dungeon masters and have been dungeon mastering for a long time. So they have this kind of course skill set of being able to conceptualize a story and play that out at the table. That is very different though than actually writing that content to be published for other dungeon masters to run because every dungeon master is a little bit different and they need something a little bit different from every adventure that they run. It's not so much that there aren't like some universal truths, like making sure that the, any sort of like 
twists or reveals are seeded very early in a published document. Like that's something that all DMs need. They don't need to be surprised on the last page of a <laughs> adventure that they should have been seeding some twist early on. Right. But I think that it's a great skill to be a dungeon master before you start writing adventure content, but you have to kind of put on a different hat when you get to mm -hmm. that point. And I think that both for experienced dungeon masters and just brand new writers in general, that starting small is a really great way to practice your craft. You don't have to write a full campaign for your first published work. And I actually think that that's not always the best place to start because writing a full campaign, even if you've actually created a full campaign and run it at your table to write a full campaign is a completely different endeavor and is a lot more intensive than I think people expect. And I, I hate to see when a writer gets burnt out because they've taken on too much for their very first project. So I would always caution to start with something small. It doesn't mean that you always will stay small or that you always have to stay within a fairly like small scope. It's just that you're practicing a new aspect of D&D storytelling. And I think writing just small, short, simple encounters to start to just do those repeatedly to practice and then building up from there is a really great way to just hone your craft. Because what you think of as a dungeon master in your head, story-wise, like another dungeon master can't read your mind. So they, you need to put all of that information out on paper and that process is like the hardest part is getting the ideas out of your head and onto the paper and so even really experienced dungeon masters can struggle with that and it's okay i everyone struggles with writing in some mm -hmm. part of the process um so i think if you can start small write encounters play test those with your group like put on your dungeon master hat to go through that content um like you might as well use the skills that you've built up but just remember that once you publish something it's no longer yours it's no longer at your table mm -hmm. so that content needs to be readable approachable runnable by someone who's not you yeah you know that that's a great point uh about sort of unlearning in order to learn uh when when I went to a creative writing program after getting a, a master's degree in English, I thought I knew everything, right? Because I have a master's degree in English and I've studied every great piece of literature there is and I could break it down. And the, the, my very first writing teacher was like, you, you're going to be hard to teach until you, until you unlearn everything. And, and you know, being an idiot, I was just like, you have no idea what you're talking about. I've got it all. I've got this under control. And I was writing exactly like a, an English professor would write rather than as a writer would write. Mm -hmm. And I think you're absolutely right in that someone who's DM'd and is so good at DMing may have to unlearn some things in order to do as what you say, which is put it down on paper in a way that is understandable by others. And I, th I think that's a, that's an incredible point and one that can't be underemphasized. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that, Ideas are often the easy part. Writing is the hard part. And a lot of, I mean, writers and dungeon masters alike have lots of ideas, but to actually get those ideas out of your head is, is tricky. That's why writing a book is not an easy thing to do. A lot of people have ideas for books, but actually writing the book is challenging. And it's not that everyone isn't capable of doing that, but it does take practice. And I think, I personally think of creativity as a habit and it's something that you need to cultivate over the course of your creative career. I think that we conflate creativity with ideas and that's not necessarily how those work. Creativity is a process and everyone needs a good process to make their creative ideas come to fruition. Yeah. So 
just doing a little bit at a time is, is a good way to ensure that you're actually practicing and that you're not just jumping in to the deep end and then floundering and then giving up. Cause I Mm -hmm. think that's always tragic when someone who really has wonderful ideas and has that spark of, of creativity and wants to write the stories that they've run for their table, but they can't make that happen because they're just, they feel like they've just taken on too much. Yeah. Well, what's the old saying that art is not the product, it's the process. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think that that fits very well there. Um, so I'm going to branch off here a bit. So when you're talking with people, new, especially new people um, about writing, how, is there a process that you suggest or does everyone sort of have to create their own process? What's, what's your advice for that? It's interesting because I'm actually, I'm working on a, a project about creating your own creative process right now. Oh, wow. So I've had this like in my head a lot uh, because I have a mentorship group through my Patreon where I work with people to actually create their own creative process. Mm-hmm. And what I think is a good thing to do is to, if you don't know anything about your own process, you don't know what your work style is, you don't really know these things about yourself yet, is to model yours after someone else's and then find the areas to adjust. So that's kind of what we do in our flagship course for the RPG Writer Workshop. It's the Write Your First Adventure course. We have basically set up a schedule and a proposed process for people. It's not that you have to always stick to that or even that we think it's like the best or the end all be all. It's just that this is what we recommend for people who are brand new to this. Once you've done it once, then you know what you like about it and what you don't like about it and you can make adjustments from there. But if you've never really started and finished a project and really seen out seen that through, you don't really know what really works for you. You don't really know like what what you need to actually finish a project. And so like a lot of what we emphasize is this is to get you to the end line so that you can finish something so that you can reflect and see what you've learned and then make adjustments from there. And sometimes we get some pushback on that because people, they don't want to follow that process, but it's like, if you don't have your own yet, at least start with this and then you can change it. My personal creative process is always changing. I make a lot of adjustments to my my workflow just as I change as a person and as I learn new things, but I still have a core foundation that I've spent a long time really building. And so I think for anyone who wants to be a creator, writer, artist, doesn't really matter. I think that having a creative process is kind of the fundamental first step. I think people think that the idea and then executing idea is the first step. But I personally think that like, determining what your creative process is, is a really great way to be ambitious and not have to compromise on your ambitious ideas because you know that what you've created can actually be finished and released out into the world. So I think that if you don't know what that is, if you're like, I have no idea what a process is, I I don't know. Find a creator that you like and see what they do and kind of model your own process temporarily after that. Yeah. Yeah. I, Oh, you know, over the years, whether it's writing academia or fiction or games, uh, the, the, you can't underemphasize the importance of process. Um, and sometimes process, like you said, will change, but you know, like people talk about writer's block and the, the first thing you have to do is write, (laughs) even if it's writing uh, an email to someone or putting words down somewhere, um, I found that my process always begins with a resistance to writing, which has to be broken through in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm, I'm constantly trying to think of what are some processes that 
are kind of universal. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that sort of writer's right is, is a universal one. Yeah, I would also add that writers read mm-hmm. because I think that reading really makes writers better. And I think that, that can, you can read anything. It's just having the written word constantly be something that is percolating in your mind is, is, is good for your, your writer brain. Mm-hmm. And I know that I personally, like when I'm feeling stuck, it's not so much that if I'm feeling not inspired, but I'm, if I'm feeling stuck about that initial stage of just getting words out on the page, like I'll pick up a book. I might even reread a favorite book just to kind of get in the process of thinking about words and thinking about storytelling. And it almost always helps me get over that initial hurdle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is just that, that first point of just putting words on the page. And that's, that's also something that we talk about in the RPG writer workshop. Like what are ways to get around that? And like one, one like tip that we give is, like record yourself explaining your idea to a friend or family member and Mm. then transcribe that. And then you already have like your idea somewhat written out on paper and something about having like the words actually like visually on the page really helps people to like get over that initial like first word, because Mm. I think a lot of new writers especially feel like the first draft is perfect and it's never (laughs) going to be perfect. It's the first draft. And so you just have to draft and it's going to be messy and it's going to be a little painful, but once you have something to work with, it becomes so much easier to continue to expand upon it and make it better, but you can't work with something if you have nothing for it. So I think that that for creators, especially new creators, a lot of your process is figuring out how to get over those hurdles so that you actually can get something done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, letting, taking that filter off and just letting the words come mm-hmm. is, is so important. And I've heard it expressed many different ways, but during a first draft, you're just creating the clay. Mm-hmm. You're going to sculpt it later, but you, you need the, the clay there to, before you can even start to sculpt it. Um, yes. So that's, that's another great thing. Uh, so if there's one pitfall that new adventure writers constantly trip over, um, what might that be? What, what's the one thing where you're always like, okay, I know that this is going to happen. Sure. I would say, I guess I technically have two. One okay. is short. One is that I think people take on too much for their first project. They'll, oh. They write they plan out too big of an adventure. Mm -hmm. It's just, it gets unwieldy and then they start to kind of drown in their own ideas. But the other one is that uh, new writers are, they write their first adventure like it's a short story. Mm -hmm. And it's, you have to remember that you're writing these documents almost as technical documents. Of course it's, I know that gets pedantic and, you know, but it's, it's still, it's a, it's a manual of information that you're giving to a dungeon master. And so they need to have the most important information to make this a successful session as soon and early as possible. Like you don't need to, you're not spoiling things for the dungeon master. Like they need to know as much about the story and this proposed like narrative arc that you're giving them. Um, as as early as possible in the adventure draft. I actually was editing a few pieces recently for a project and the writers had seeded really important details toward the end of the adventure. And I was just thinking as a dungeon master, that would have been really hard for me to plan out my session because I would, would have been following the order of events as they had laid them out and then gotten to the end and realized there was this whole thing that I hadn't set up early on. Right. So yeah. I think... I see that a lot in both the work that I've edited and also just when I'm working with writers on their early drafts is it's not, you don't need to hide that information. You're, 
you can still like it's the dungeon master's job to make that reveal exciting for their right. players but it's not your job to hide that from the dungeon master true true and that's why like the adventure adventure summary section that's often at the beginning should be the last thing you write <laughs> sure because you might have great ideas later but if you write that adventure summary first you almost feel the need to adhere to it like if mm -hmm. you do something different you're you're going against yourself and that's not true um, you're, you're just letting yourself catch up to your uh, creativity if you wait on that Right. Yeah, that's a yeah. great point. Maybe yeah. something that will change in the next write your first adventure there you go. workshop because we give our writers a template that has, you know, the areas for the synopsis and the summary and yeah. uh, the adventure hooks and things like that. So, yeah, yeah that's I think point. it's okay to write it first, but just don't be afraid to go back and change it. That's Absolutely. All. Okay. Yes. And so what was the second thing you said you had two? Yeah. So that? the second one was just that writers take on too much for their oh, first yeah. project, okay. um, which I just, it's not, and I, I always try to distinguish it's between it's, it's not that you're not being ambitious or that you can't be ambitious or that you're not allowed to have wild, awesome ideas. It's just that you can build to that over time because if you take on too much, those wonderful ideas will never see the light of day because you just don't, you're not necessarily equipped at that stage to see it through or mm -hmm. it won't turn out the way that you want it to because you just are still developing that skill set. Mm -hmm. So I think that just starting with small like encounters is a great way to practice and then you build up over time and that i mean if you're consistent about writing you can build those skills fairly quickly mm -hmm. but it is something that you need to commit to doing you know reg on a regular basis so that you make that a habit yeah so um i've taught creative writing and i've i've talked to people a lot about adventure writing and i found them to be similar in some ways but very different in a lot of other ways uh, have you found that out that yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, that it's very different. I definitely think they are very different. I, I do think that what I love about both writing short fiction and writing adventures overlaps in a lot of ways. I love to write about setting and atmosphere. And that is something that I explore both in fiction and in adventure content. And I think that that's, if you're someone who likes that, writing adventures is a really fun way to establish atmosphere and mood and really cool settings that come alive in adventures in ways that they don't in fiction because people can actually interact with this world that you've created. Mm -hmm. I do think that the main differences are th that, well, I guess one is that reading a short story is a more passive activity versus playing a short adventure is a more active. And I say passive and active, not as like negative or positive, but just as how you're inter like interfacing with this written word. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is, you know, changes the way that you approach writing those, those types of things. Because when you're writing an adventure, you can still have a proposed narrative arc with proposed outcomes, but it won't necessarily have the definitive ending that a short story does when you've written mm -hmm. and conceptualized a short story. Right. So thinking a little bit differently, thinking less uh, linearly about adventure content is a challenge. I know I still struggle with that. Like, even if I know logically that that's not really how an adventure works, that there isn't one set outcome. It's still sometimes hard to break out of that when you have a background in writing fiction or reading fiction. So I think that to me, like those are some of the core similarities and differences. But uh, to me, what I like about adventure content is that it really kind of scratched the same itch that I got from writing fiction mm -hmm. was that I just really like to create interesting characters and cool settings and atmosphere to me is just like everything. Mm -hmm. I just really enjoy bringing like, places to life. And so yeah. that's, yeah, and there's really no better way to do that in, than in adventures. 
That's true. And then instead of having a specific character or characters interacting with them, you are just letting someone else interact with them and, and letting the DM bring the, bring all of it together. Right. And, and that sort of brings me to the last question I wanted to ask, which was um, one of the frustrations for me in adventure writing is there really isn't any one correct way to do it, but there are certainly a lot of wrong ways to do it. Um, Basically, because even if you're super skilled at, at your craft, there are so many different play styles and so many different DM desires out there that you could write something perfect for a DM who wants to run a very linear adventure. And the DM who wants to play in a sandbox is going to just detest what you've written uh, because of that. So uh, how does a writer navigate that sort of trap-filled path of different play styles? I think it comes down to what the writer's goals are. I think for writers who want to work for publishing companies, for example, do need to find ways to write to the biggest audiences possible. Whereas when I'm writing my own work for Dungeon Master's Guild, like sometimes I'm not as thoughtful about that because I have kind of an audience that comes to my work knowing that there are certain themes and play styles that they can expect to find in my work. So I feel like there's a little bit more freedom there that I don't necessarily write to every single DM when I'm Mm -hmm. writing my own content that I publish to Dungeon Masters Guild. But when I'm writing for a publishing company, I do try to be very thoughtful about that. And one way is to keep my writing very simple, not because I am trying to make it too simplistic, but just because I think overwriting something isn't necessarily good for any DM. And I want a dungeon master to find my work to be very easy to run. And so I think that like, even though there's not one style of dungeon mastering, there's not one style of, of play. I think that from a writing perspective, keeping your work very streamlined and giving the D- dungeon master a lot of um, help or assistance throughout a document is, is, a, is kind of a universal good practice. But I don't know. I don't necessarily think that it's a writer's responsibility to write for every type of Dungeon Master. And even with the different publishing companies that I've written content for, they have their own audiences that respond well to certain types of play. And so it's kind of just a matter of tailoring your work to whatever audience you're writing for. And I guess that if you're trying to write for as many different types of DMs as possible, I mean, there's some kind of universal things that most Dungeon Masters like, you know, having memorable NPCs that have enough motivation and characterization for them to play them at the table, but without giving them too much overwhelming backstory or, or too many scripts that they might not even be able to use at the table, like keeping that information um, simple, just detailed enough for the Dungeon Master to really take it and run with it, but not more than what they need so they feel overwhelmed with it. Um, and then creating, you know, an interesting setting that has, you know, dynamic moving parts that are easy for them to identify, easy for them to seed into their games. Um, and just making sure that the adventure feels like it does have different outcomes that are laid out with enough information that the dungeon master doesn't feel like they have to improvise different potential endings. And I think that that kind of hits a lot of the major things that most DMs need, but you know, there's always people who need something more. They want really like crunchy mechanics or they want really hard combat encounters. And you can always propose those as suggestions in your adventure. Like if you are the kind of dungeon master who likes those things, here's how you can really beef up this encounter or vice versa. But I I don't know. That's still something that I'm learning as a writer is how to write for different kinds of dungeon masters who don't necessarily gravitate to what I gravitate toward in right. D&D. But at some point, it's just 
you have to write to your strengths as well. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that answer was spot on, right? It's, it's the DM is the one running the game. So give the DM at least the bare minimum of what they need to take the story in whatever direction they need to. And I think, you know, you, you, you stuck the landing there, right? It's setting, it's, it's uh, cool NPCs. It's, it's all the things that you learned in seventh grade writing. Mm -hmm. It's just putting it out there in a way that DMs can understand it and, and use it. And, and most DMs I've met either watching streams or going to conventions and watching them run, they know what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty good at, at, uh, rolling with whatever punches that the the PCs and the players throw. So, yep. you know, I think that's, I think that's great advice uh, for, for new, new, uh, new writers of adventures for sure. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on in terms of new writers for adventures? I think that if you want to write, you should write and the community will welcome you and welcome your ideas. So there's no, there hasn't really been a better time to learn how to write adventures. So I think that if you have a cool idea, it's a great time to make it happen. And if anyone's interested in your uh, workshop, where would they find that information? Sure. So you can go to our website, www.rpgwriterworkshop.com. We have some courses available now that can be taken at any time. They're totally self-paced. And then our Write Your First Adventure workshop returns in July. And we also host that in November as well. And we do that to coincide with National Novel Writing Month because Mm -hmm. people want to write something in a month. And we thought that an adventure was a good opportunity for that. So that's why we have those workshops when we do. Oh, that's perfect timing. Yeah. Nice. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on to the show to talk with us. That was some great content. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been an exciting journey so far. I feel like I have so much more to learn about adventure writing, but I feel like actually teaching adventure writing has made me a better adventure writer. So yeah, that's been a nice outcome. Yeah. What's the, what's the old doctor's thing is watch one, do one, teach one yeah, <laughs> for medical procedures. That. And it's the same thing for any content. If you can teach it, you probably are learning uh, at least as much of this from the students. Yes. And I want to thank all our listeners out there for coming on uh, and sharing some time with us. Um, it's been a while since we've done Patreon shout outs. So I wanted to thank a few of our patrons, Eileen Barnes, Ryan Dacey, Brian Kurtz, Craig, just Craig, Eric Bontz, GM Gerrymander, Jared Rasher, Jesse Edmond, and Jim likes games. And if you like the show, please consider being a patron for just a dollar. You can not only, uh, listen to the show you get special content from Dowin D&D the misdirected mark podcast and pandas talking games um, if you can't support us monetarily that's okay we understand but if you could give us a review on whatever medium you listen on that would be certainly helpful or just talk about us on social media let people know that we're out there uh, Ashley where can f- people find you or follow your work on social media Sure. My website is scribemind.com and I'm actually running a poetry writing challenge throughout this month. And I run lots of writing challenges throughout the year. They're totally free and just fun ways to be creative and join a creative community. And you can find me on Twitter at Ashley NH Warren, which also has links to the RPG Writer Workshop and the RPG Writer Workshop Twitter account. 
Awesome. I'm going to totally start writing some poetry. Yes. People want to watch out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin, or you can talk with me on the forums at forums.misdirectedmark.com. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, hey, Ashley, what are we going to do now? We're going to befriend some monsters. Yay. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Who's down with D&D? You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?